want to take a, another opportunity to welcome you here this morning. Thanks for, for joining us uh, at the Firehouse Church. My name's Rich, and I'm one of the pastors here. And a few things just to, uh, to get started here. Uh, one thing, I just wanted to update you last week. I shared about my, my foot. I have my walking boot on to try to draw pity and compassion from you. But uh, I went to the doctor last week, and the doctor said I don't have to wear the boot. He said no... Uh, High impact activity, no running, no more, no dunking until I get back. Uh, my foot recovers a little more about a month here, but it's good to be walking without a boot. So I appreciate your your prayers and, and your compassion wherever it was. Um, but uh, what else? We're going to talk. We got we have a. It's a blessing to have the, the mission team out here from from Utah here. How about a round of applause for this mission team? That's been here? You know, it's just, uh, I think it's just kind of amazing to think that a, a bunch of men and women took their, their time, their vacation time, their money, their time, their talents, their hearts, and they brought them all out here for the weekend. They arrived yesterday, and they're going back today, and the road trip is, what's that, seven, eight hours? Five, six, depending on who's driving, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but they did that just to be a blessing to us and help us as we're launching the nightlife uh, edition of the firehouse there. And so it's just awesome. They're also preparing the way for an amazing mission trip to Europe here this, uh, this summer. That I, I just, I don't know, it's too late to sign up for that, guys. Is there a, uh, taking a team and touring through different countries throughout Europe? They're taking these bands. And so in some ways, we, we let them cut their teeth on us, us a little bit. But looks like they already got all the kinks worked out. So, uh, anyways, it's, it's just a blessing to have you guys here as well this morning. But we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into our, our topic here for this morning. But why don't you guys just join me? We'll just ask God to, to bless here one more time. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just look to you. We, uh, we just thank you for the chance to come together and just worship you. Um, Lord, we do just thank you that you are a God who... It is an overflow of you to come to our rescue. Um, you are a Savior just as you exist, Lord. And we just thank you for rescuing us again and again. And we ask you to meet us here this morning, Lord, and help us to hear from you as we look at these verses. I just ask you, you would use your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds to your scriptures and help us to catch your, your mission, the, the heart you have for um, this mission and, and how we can play our part in that. God, we thank you for this mission team you sent out from Utah to here to be a blessing, to be a light. And um, God, we just want to even follow their, their example of faith and love and sacrifice there. And we just pray you bless them and keep them safe even as they travel home today. But God, we just turn this time over to you. ask you to speak to us, meet us here, redeem the time, make it worthwhile for you and for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, let's see, just a quick, uh, just to let you know where we are in our, our teaching schedule. We don't, we just wrapped up a series last week. We finished up our study on the, the first letter to the Thessalonians. And so we had a, a great time there. Um, we did just kind of the wrap-up thoughts. And, and we're in transition here to the Easter season, if you will. Next week is uh, Palm Sunday. Following week is Easter Sunday, if you haven't marked your calendars yet. A couple weeks ago was Daylight Savings. I hope you caught that. Um, but, uh, but anyways, we're just trying to prepare the way for some things that we think God has before us as a church, some opportunities that, that are really uh, here now. And we want to talk about that. We want to talk about this mission. In some ways, uh, we looked at the example of the Apostle Paul and the, the believers, the, the 
young church there in the city of Thessalonica back in the first century. And their example to us was really intense. We talked about how they just had a, a real a focused clarity about their mission. They knew why they went to a city and why they went to the next city and there was no question about it. They had a loving boldness in all that they did. It caused that church there to have an eager expectation of the Lord's return. And then we talked about how uh, they had a resounding impact. They became an epicenter for the gospel there in Thessalonica, the, the word rang out and it had a kind of sent shockwaves in a good way out there. I thought it was funny after we talked about that here just this last week, some of you heard about the earthquake down in, in Chile there, I think it was 8.2 on the Richter scale, or eventually they downgraded a little bit, but um, obviously earthquakes in general have bad effects, but when the gospel goes out and sends shockwaves, it's like they said about Paul and his team, it turns the world upside down, and you know we know that means it turns things right side up, and so we're talking about good shockwaves here, but, but sometimes we can look at that example, I don't know if you're like me, I can look at the example of... Uh, Paul and Silas and that missionary team, we can look at the Thessalonians, we go, that was awesome, that was really intense, and that is not my reality. I'm not going to be stomping around the ends of the earth, living off of whoever's giving me food that day, and you know, that's really cool, a great example. And, and let's get back here to, i got Monday morning right before me, you know. And, and so we have to be kind of careful about that. We want to talk about, those guys had a really a focused clarity on their mission. It was the Great Commission. You know, we got some blanks to fill out here this morning. Um, I'm going to fly through a couple of these blanks so we can get to the, the second part of the teaching here. But um, let's see, some of the, the first blank you have, you know, they had the, the mission that those first disciples had. They, they knew that they were on, uh, they were called to the Great Commandment. The great commandment, all of us, you know, Jesus, when asked the most important thing, He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, we're all called, if you're a follower of Christ, you're called to love God with all your heart. It's called the great commandment. We're also called, you know, in some ways this is preaching to the choir. Our association of churches is called Great Commission Churches. We're all called to the Great Commission. Uh, if you don't realize that as a believer, Jesus gave all of His followers a mission. The mission is known as the Great Commission. A number of verses here. We'll talk about a few of them. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and, and preach the good news to all creation. The Living Bible paraphrases that. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, um, you know, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. And so um, those are some of the core verses of the Great Commission, but um, all followers of Christ are called to the Great Commandment, the Great Commission. And so you don't have to be a missionary to be on mission. Sometimes we can think, you know, those guys, boy, the apostles, that crew, they were just, that was their deal and, and ours is different. I just love how Jesus said, hey, you apostles, here's what I want you to do. These commands that I gave you, I want you to teach those commands I gave you to others. Teach them to obey those commands I gave you. They're not just for you because you're special apostles. They're for everyone. And do it until the end of the age. That's how, how long I'm going to be with you. And so it's not just this one-time assignment. And it's really why our movement of churches exists. But, you know, another blank to throw in here is, uh, for your next 
next one here is that as it relates to the mission, really there, there's only two major facets to that. You're either on mission, you're on the mission team, or you're a part of the mission field. When it comes to mission, there's only, only two ways about it. And, you know, it's really neat to realize that our brothers and sisters from Utah that are out here, they're on mission. They came on a mission trip to help us. But they really, I think they're excited to go, hey, these guys, they're on the same mission too. Yeah, we, we paid gas to get here. We took vacation to get to their mission field. But they're on mission. Our brothers and sisters are on mission here too. And there's a number of brothers and sisters in Europe that they're going to be crossing paths with who are on mission too. But you're really you're, you're either on the mission team or you're on the mission field, and you've got to realize that's kind of by design. That's what the Christian life is all about. And if that's a new thought, we'd love to help you kind of wrestle through all the, the verses and the, the high calling that Jesus had about that. Each one of us has had to wrestle through that if if we're indeed on mission ourselves. And so, but the other thing we're going to talk about here is that you know, so you don't have to be a missionary like traditional thought of a missionary to be on mission. I think of this family. I get a regular email from a family that's uh, uh, they're in Guinea, West Africa. They've got three kids they've been raising in West Africa. And they send these emails out and these pictures. And the conditions are just like, uh, I, I'm just, every time I, I'm, my heart is warm and I'm encouraged. And I go, they're, they're missionaries. They're, they're on mission. They work with new tribe missions. And, and they're trying to take the gospel to a tribe that uh, has not had the gospel before. They had to go through intensive French language training just to hit the ground. And once they hit the ground, that's when they learned the dialect that this tribe speaks. And, and I'm encouraged by Brian and Sherry and their family um, related to Alan and, and uh, Sherry there. But... Um, they're definitely, I go, well, yeah, they're on mission, I guess. But you don't have to be missionaries to be on mission. And we just want to catch that here. Other thing we want to talk about is that when it comes to being on mission and, and preaching the gospel and making disciples, we, we need to realize that there's different seasons of life that this plays out in. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is there's, there's different seasons. It's not, uh, you know, I was on mission when I was a single person. It looked like this and it's going to look like this for the rest of my life. You know, you think that when you're single. I thought that when I was single. And then you get married, and then you get kids, and things change, and there's different things. You've got to pay bills, and you've got to show up. You can't sleep in a sleeping bag in the dorms anymore. Your wife wants you to come home, and you know, there's all these different uh, life changes. And maybe you know that, but we're going to talk about that a little more specifically here this morning. So um, a few verses on seasons. Um, the Great Commission looks different in different seasons of life. You can throw in that blank there. One blank does not equal one word this morning. You'll figure that out. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. This morning, many words, one blank. Um, so, uh, I love this verse from Ecclesiastes. I was talking to my wife about putting a special request in for this song. And if you know that old song, To every season... Yeah, we'll stop there. Um, yeah, there's an old, I think it's a 60's Mamas and the Papas song, something like that. Great song, straight from the Bible. My wife said we should not sing that. I was talking to Tony Mahali about it. He said he did not recognize that song. And I'm pretty sure it had to do with my singing more than anything. So. But, but the verse is great. It says there's a, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. There's a season. There's different seasons of life that we go through, and we have to catch that. And if we don't catch that, I think we're not going to be as effective on this mission that we've been given. And so we're going to just talk about a few. Uh, I love this verse as well. So, the Firehouse Church, we're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We're not here to make people happy. 
We're not here to make people mad. That's not our goal either. But we're here to make disciples. And Jesus said this. This is one of my favorite verses on, on disciples. Um, he was talking to the Jews that had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And he said this. He said, um, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Another way I think the NAS says, if you continue in my word, you're really true disciples of mine. You're truly my disciples. And, and when it comes to following Christ in each season of life, there's new verses that get added to what it means to continue in His Word. There's things that apply to you when you're married that didn't apply to you before you were married. There's a whole chunk of Ephesians that now uh, is not as fun and friendly as it used to be back when you were just single and, and learning about the Bride of Christ and all that stuff. There's some real specific assignments in, in these different seasons of life. And we've got to catch that. And um, we're going to talk about that again here. A few lessons. Just I'm going to breeze through these next uh, these four lessons so we can get to. We're going to talk a little about each season. Give you a little something to chew on in each of those here. Um, but a few things to catch, lessons about each season of life. One is that each season requires, it requires wisdom, and it has unique opportunities. Not even if, if you can fit it in your blank, it's a very small blank. It requires God-given wisdom and God-given opportunities. You have God-given opportunities in every season, and it takes God-given wisdom to make the most of those opportunities. A couple verses here, this one, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Uh, NIV, that's, that's the New American Standard there. NIV says, making the most of your opportunities. And, and we're given opportunities in each season that some of those opportunities you will never get again in your life. Whether it's opportunities you have while you're in high school, opportunities you have while you're in college, opportunities you have before you get married. You, you have some God-given opportunities that take some God-given wisdom to make the most of them, but you will never get some of those opportunities back again. And, and you need to realize that. And um, this, I love this verse here in Ecclesiastes as well. The wise heart will know the proper time and procedure, for there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a man's misery weighs heavily upon him. I've used this verse a number of times in, in counseling single men who their heart weighs heavily on them to get married, and, and yet, you know, maybe they don't have a job yet, or maybe they don't know how to say to their roommates, I was wrong, would you please forgive me, or whatever it is. Sometimes people get very heavy hearts, and you go, you know what? You still got to grow in this. You still got to get a job before you try to take a wife uh, under your roof here, buddy. Um, but there's a proper time and procedure. There's a wise heart will know what to do. And we got to catch that. The other thing is that each season has specific dangers and to avoid. You could say dangers or pitfalls to avoid. This one here, you know, he who gathers crops is, is a wise son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. Usually God's wisdom is matched right up against a challenge or a pitfall that without God's wisdom, you're going to miss it in that phase of life. And we just need to know there's, there's opportunities, but there's also dangers. Next set of blanks here. This one here is just a lesson for us all. Maybe you've learned this, maybe you haven't. But uh, it's easy to be proud or judge others in seasons or about seasons that you've never been in. 
It's easy to be proud and judge others. We, we can kind of see our little, uh, you know, we get our little narrow view of life, our tunnel vision about our season of life, and it's really easy to be blind to, to the challenges facing people in other seasons of life. And I just remember this in my own world. Um, when I was single, I was extremely focused on my mission. We'll, we'll talk about that's one of the opportunities when you're single, whether it's a student or working single. And I was very focused. People say I started at least in the Colorado area started the Bachelor to the Rapture Club, you know, because I was focused on Jesus until the rapture, and I didn't have time to look around at other, other distractions, if you will. Um, but but I, I would see others, and I'd go, man, that guy, he's just really distracted. He's like all, you know, Twitter-pated over this girl, and, you know, he wants to get married, and, you know, he just kind of turns into this mush ball or something. I don't know. But um, it was easy for me to go, hey, I can't believe him. That's so unspiritual. And then, you know, these guys have these accountability. Oh, I've got to fight temptation and all that. And as a single guy who's on a mission waiting for the rapture, I go, come on, deal with it, guy. Pick it, you know, whatever. Whatever you tell someone like that if you're judgmental. But, um, but then, then I got distracted and God got my attention. I just prayed, God, you know, when it's time, if you have someone for me, knock me upside the head, get my attention, because otherwise I am extremely focused. And sure enough, my wife came along, well, she wasn't my wife yet, but uh, she came along, and her life, her character, her heart, it's like God took a bat to my head and said, okay, brother, it's time. I've got someone for you. And I got into this new phase, and I realized, boy, I really had a heart for this woman, and I thought about her night and day, and I couldn't stop thinking about her, and, and now there's these temptations, and oh my gosh, we, you know, how, how long until we get married here? Um, but I realized the, the people that I was judging in that phase of life, it was a lot harder once I was in that phase than when I was not in that phase. And you know what? That same temptation goes throughout every season of life. You can get in that phase, you get married and you go, boy, when I raise kids, they're not going to be like that. They're always having to take them out of service. Their number's always coming up on the screen. Um, you know, you can really judge people in other phases and then you get kids and you go, oh, it's my number again or, you know try to figure out how to sneak them in without giving them a number or something there. And so, but, it, but it's so easy to judge people in, in, in places that you're not. You know, when I have two kids, I'm going to bring all my kids to the prayer meeting, and you have two kids, and, you know, they haven't prayed for a year. You know, it's just like... Um, but we have to be careful, because there's a natural tendency to judge others in something we don't know, we don't have a clue about. And so we've got to watch out for that, because very clear, God is very clear on this. God opposes the proud. God will put the smack down on you. If you're judging other phases of life before or after you, He will bring opposition to your world. And that is not fun. And God blesses those who are humble and just learning and just kind of minding their own business. They're not judging this person or that person. And you've got to catch that. But hey, if you want to judge people, you want to be proud, go for it. God's going to put the smack down on you, I promise. You know? And, so, and, and I, I'm saying that from learning from other people's experiences. Um, so, anyways. Another one here, you know, Jesus said, in the same way you judge others. Sometimes we go, judging others is wrong. I can't believe how judgmental they are. And we always give ourselves that excuse. Yeah, I know I sound judgmental, but... And then put the smack down again on someone. But God, God holds... He's going to hold you to a standard that you're using. And if it's judgmental, if it's proud... Just go ahead and try to learn that one as soon as you can. Um, last one here is just understanding seasons. That there's, there are seasons. This allows you to prepare or to plan ahead. 
or both. Prepare and plan ahead here. Um, there's a couple verses on that. Again, the Proverbs. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Um, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You know, there's a way that when you know something's coming down the pipeline towards you, you can plan ahead, you can prepare. Um, this other one here, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, um, obtain guidance. I love the thought on this one. Is, uh, I remember John Meyer's teaching has marked me on this verse here. But he just says, you know, when you seek the advice of others, especially as it pertains to things coming down the road towards you, and you ask somebody else who's been there, done that, learned the hard lessons, you have the ability to draw on the hard lessons they had to learn. You know, they say it's wise to learn from your mistakes, and yet it's wiser still to learn from the mistakes of John Meyer and others. You know, there's um, your pastors, your small group leaders, but you need to make sure you're seeking advice as you go because that'll help you. And there's a humility that's required for you and I to ask for help from others that have been there and done that or are doing that or, or getting results that we'd like to get. And so we just have to keep that in mind. I think another one uh, yeah, that Isaiah 32 2 is the one that talks about a, a noble man makes noble plans and by noble deeds he stands. But we need to be planning ahead, thinking ahead about some of these seasons that are coming. So um, we're going to talk about some seasons here. We're going to look at some practicals, hopefully have a little fun with it. We're going to start first with students. We're going to pick on the people in the student world here. How many college students do we have either now or soon to be or uh, college aged or oh, raise them higher than I see you guys out there. Okay. Very good. Well, you know, students, um, one of the verses I think of when, when it's a uh, comes to students is this one here. I've done a, a seminar series in the past called The Road Less Traveled. And one of the verses I share with people who are students, singles, and student, whatever, um, but it's this verse in um, 1 Corinthians 7.35. The Apostle Paul's talking to people and he says, hey, you know, he goes off on, on the benefits of being single and living a focused life. But he says this at the end of this whole long teaching about, and you know, it's not sin to get married, and that's, that's good too, that's spiritual too. But he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to, re to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. When you are single and you're in school and things like that, you have, uh, there's a, devotion, undivided attention that you can bring to the table that you're never going to get that again in different phases of life. Students here, you know, we kind of this chart we're going to look at kind of shows how much in the, the darker blue areas there is, how much it just takes, how much bandwidth it takes just to be faithful with your responsibilities. And um, when you're a college-age student, I'm not talking about high school so much specifically here, but um, when you're a college-age student, you know, you take X number of credit hours. Some people say for however many hours that you take, you devote, what, two times as many to the classroom, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> um, something like that. But, you know, you can kind of make up your own world. Your schedule's flexible. College, you, you know, you can go to class or you don't have to go to class, you know. And your scores are usually better when you go to class than when you don't go to class, things like that. But it's at your discretion. You have a lot of discretional time to make decisions, your own decisions about it. And, and you've got to make the most of that phase of life. When I was in college, I was not following Christ. Um, I didn't realize I was not a, a Christian yet. And I definitely wasn't on mission for anybody else besides myself, and I missed out on that phase. I missed out on what I could have done in, in the classrooms to speak out for Christ, how I could have impacted my peers, how I could have done things to be a light. I missed out, and, and 
My hope is that you don't miss out. There's an opportunity that you will never get again. When you cash in those chips from, from being on campus and that campus life to the next phases of life, you don't get to do that again. Now, you might get to do that again on top of other responsibilities that we're going to look at, but you never get to do that again without being married or with kids or things like that. And so I encourage you to make the most of that. Next phase of life here, you know, singles. You, you, um, singles, one of the milestones for this season that I think about is that you, you have something that most students don't have. This is kind of the idea of you're a student and then you get a job. So, I mean, I guess it's couple things that students don't... Sometimes you don't have to work and be a student. Some people do both. But when you become single, you get, you get money. Money is like this concept that students don't know about. They don't understand. Money. It's a new concept. You've got to learn how to manage it. Be stewards of that. This verse here in Colossians is just one that says, um, um, So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You've got this new... Um, and being faithful, you now have some person in your life that thinks that they're obligated to 40 hours a week of your life. And it has something to do with the paycheck that they give you. And some people want more than 40 hours a week. And, and yet you have to work for them as unto the Lord. And in some cases you get to share your faith there. some cases you don't. But it's, it's a season of life where you've you got to uh, report to some. But yet you still have a lot of time left over. And now you have this new substance called money. And you can invest that and use that for the kingdom and things like that. But um, you've got to make the most of that opportunity. Um, another phase that comes up is, well, this, this next phase here is married. You, you know, somewhere along the way you get a job and maybe, you know, you actually, as a single person, you actually have the ability to, you know, I think students, sometimes I encourage a lot of them, you're probably going to have to wait a little bit. First, you're going to have to get a job or get a degree that leads to a job or something like that. Then once you get a job, you go, you might actually be in the ballpark for getting married here. Let's, let's talk about that and get a game plan. And the next thing you know, you, uh, you're saying I do to the most wonderful person of your life. And, you know, they, they're just perfect. They never do anything wrong. They, um, all this stuff, you know. And if you're engaged, it's true, isn't it? And if you're married, don't tell them what's coming. You know, um, you keep that, keep that phase of life as long as you can. But um, and again, though, that takes up a little more of your bandwidth of what you need just to do daily life, just to pay bills. You know, you might get crazy, and you, somewhere you take a mortgage payments on and things like that. And and so you have this this just to be faithful with life. You have this bandwidth eaten up, and then you still have some available. And, and yet you have some verses applied to you now that didn't apply before. And we talked about. Um, you know, this uh, Ephesians 5, you know, there's, there's a couple specific verses here, you know, to, uh, to husbands it says this, you know, it says, um, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Goes on and finishes that passage, uh, Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And earlier in the passage, it talks about, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And it goes on to say, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And, you know, just one little uh, tidbit of information in the married phase and, and uh, applying these verses to your life. Um, you know, that I, I've just been thinking through, I'm going to give you this tidbit for free here, but um, recently, uh, I just feel like God's been teaching me um, some lessons on marriage and just refining me in that. But, 
I think one of the things he's showing me is that the assignment, when you get to marriage, there's new verses that apply to your life that never applied to you before. And, and really, there's these two assignments. I tell people it's like dancing assignments. And, and man, here's your, your dancing. Here's how you lead the dance. Here's your steps, things like that. Women, here's how you follow the dance. But they're God-given dancing assignments. And what, what we've... You got to realize in marriage is that somehow when you measure your marriage, how is it going? You kind of take, well, what does the husband think and what does the wife think? And, you know, this is good and this is not good. And you put them together and you go, the measure of the marriage is not good. You know, you kind of bring those two together. But so when you're thinking about this marriage relationship, both of your experiences come together. But when you're trying to decide, how do I improve this? How do I grow the quality of this? How do I make this better? It's not about really the two of you. It comes back to one of you. That you know, Each one of you has your assignments. And uh, what I've found is that uh, expectations... You know, Tim, uh, Tim Cavanaugh shared a thought here, a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer a couple weeks ago. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was writing about community. And he shared this idea that your expectations on that community can destroy the community. And sometimes what happens is we have greater expectations on, in marriage, the community is just the two of you, but uh, we can have greater expectations on that other person than we do of ourselves, and it can strangle. And the weight of those expectations can just suffocate the marriage relationship. And so I feel like God was, I was wrestling with Him on thinking through some of this stuff here, but the man, you know, a husband and a wife, they each have a God-given assignment that's completely independent of the other person. You know, God says to the husbands, here, Look at Jesus' example to the church. You're, you're assigned to love your wife like He did. And He did it. He gave everything. He did it unconditionally. He did it always. There was never a, you know, a time that He didn't love us. And so, men, you've got to love your wives always, unconditionally. And why is He says, okay, here's your deal. Your example is not respect your husband when he's respectable, but you're to respect him just only as often as the church is to respect Christ, which is only... Always. And so these assignments are based not on what we can do so easily is uh, make our assignment based on how worthy they are of me carrying out that assignment. Instead of being a God-given assignment, we go, you know, I love in relationship to how lovable they are, you know, and the more lovable, I give more love, and more respectable, I give more respect. And, you know, if you're doing that at all in your marriage, I have one question for you. How's it going for you? Do you have a different way about it than what God has designed? Because... My bet is that that's not working out real well because he's designed marriage to work one way to have his full blessing. And it's when a, a man loves unconditionally and a woman respects unconditionally. And when you do that, you know, I felt like I was wrestling through with God and kind of the idea that... So you're saying, in essence, God, this assignment could be the case that I, I am supposed to love unconditionally whether this person would ever in life respond back to me. And I'm kind of prayer walking and talking with God and I think he's kind of like... You got it, you know. That's your assignment, to love this person for the rest of your life, whether they do or don't ever respond to you. And a woman's assignment. You're, you're called to respect and follow your husband, whether they're being respectable or not. Sure, it works a lot better. If they're being respectable, it's easy to do. If they're lovable, boy, you love someone that's lovable, don't you? But our assignment is so far beyond that. And, you know, lo and behold, when I love unconditionally, it goes really well for me. Um, and women, when you respect your husband like the church is to respect Christ, 
he's going to respond pretty good to that as my guest. But then you get into what, uh, there's a book called Love and Respect, some of you know. You get into this cycle that's called the energizing cycle, that you're loving them, and they're respecting you, and things just, you get just, it kind of feeds off of each other, and you grow in your love, and you grow in your respect, and it really blesses your marriage. And um, eventually you can get to what they call the reward cycle, where you can actually make choices to love this person unconditionally when they're not responding or initiating in a lovable way with you. Or you can respect this person unconditionally when they're not being that respectable. And God will reward you for that. You don't see the, the feedback so much directly in that relationship, but God's watching out for you. But this is just something that um, you've got to catch. I'm going to move on. That's um, maybe a little marriage soapbox there. But a number of you are married. Hopefully you can relate. But uh, anyways, the next season of life, the milestone, as you can imagine, is... Um, is babies. You make uh, a baby happens, you know, and uh, you're automatically thrown into another season of life here. And so, um, I'm going to keep it on this clock here, but, you know, I think God in His humor, He designed babies to be just these, I think it's His humor and His wisdom, but babies are just cute and adorable and everyone wants to hold one and they're just so, you know, they just move their cheek and we think that they smiled at us and they're trying to talk and wiggle and just everything they do is cute, you know. They have these cute little diapers, they go to the bathroom, it's cute. The whole thing is just, and, and I think it does two things. One, it, it, it draws a parent's it, that draws a parent in. You know, you have compassion. You bond with this little creature. And you bond and you take them home. And, and you take them home. And then the, the kind of the chance to get a money back refund, an in-store credit, it all goes away. You know, and uh, you've bonded with this little critter. And then this little critter gets to thinking, you know what, I like this. I like this idea. I think I'm catching it. I am the center of the universe. And these people, when I snap my fingers, they come. When I cry, they come. They give me what I want. If they don't know what I want, they spend hours trying to figure it out. Um, and they get used to this idea. And you've already bonded with them, and it's just too late. And um, um, then eventually, God has assigned someone to give this little child a wake-up call that, no, they are not the center of the universe. And for some people, this goes on for the rest of their lives, you know. It's like, no, you can't sleep in my bed anymore. You're a teenager, you know. You've got to figure out the... There's these, all these challenges out there, but really, there's a battle that's going to go on. And eventually, I, I love the stance that people in our association of churches have. At some point, you've got to figure out who the parent's going to be and who's in charge here. It's either you or them. And uh, uh, a lot of people don't figure out that it's them, you know, the parents, until... I don't know, some people still haven't figured that out in our culture. But, you know, so there's this whole thing, and you have to obey verses about uh, discipline and instructing your children here. You know, chapter 5 applies to married people of Ephesians, and chapter 6, you kind of graduate to chapter 6 when you have babies. New things apply to you there, and you've got to teach them, no, you can't stick your finger in the electrical outlet. Um, things like that, no is a new word. And then the next season comes when, you know, especially happens when you don't figure out how that first baby made it there. Then you have have this next season, this more babies. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of, this, this challenge continues to grow. One of the verses that we have here that we love around the firehouse is just, if you've been at our baby dedications before, um, Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. Uh, the fruit of the room is a reward. They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Um, so are children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. We like to retranslate the paraphrase around the firehouse. How blessed is the man whose minivan is full of them. Um, 
The blessing goes beyond that. How even more blessed is the man whose suburban is full of them. You know, the, the blessing gets bigger and bigger there. But, um, but there's that idea. And yet you have to continue to, uh, you know, I think of verses like this, Proverbs 20, 22, 6 here. It just talks about um, you're, you're to train them up in the way they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. But you've got to continue to train and, and work with these kids here. In order to be arrows, you know, They've got to be strong. You want to encourage a strong relationship with the Lord. And when you shoot them, they've got to shoot straight. You want them to be on target, be on mission in this world. And and that's what we've got to work at doing. And it's not an easy assignment, but it is part of... And you can see as we go here, doing just the basics take up a lot of bandwidth of life. And you're starting to run out of discretional time. And and eventually, um, you know, we'll go to the next season here. Got a quote from the Old Testament to get to the next season here. Um, some of you know uh, the story of Abraham and Isaac. You guys have heard the one of why, um, why did God call Abraham to sacrifice Isaac when he was only 12 years old? Because when he became a teenager, it wouldn't be a sacrifice anymore, right? Um, that's the idea. And so that's the... And so... I, I'm just... Teens, teens, I love you. I, I was one of you at one time, and so I, I love you. I'm just giving you a hard time. But anyways, uh, something that happens in teen family years is that you can almost have so much bandwidth taken up just trying to keep alive and survive. And, um, you know, I think you can even... i got some fireworks happen. You start redlining life, and something actually has to give. And so, you know... Th- I don't know much about this phase of life. I'm looking at it. I'm going, you know, it's kind of like i got tunnel vision. I'm going, ah, you know, don't, don't, don't look over there. Don't look over there. Uh, it's hard. It's challenging. These kids, you can't, I hear that you can't use the line because I said so. That doesn't work so well anymore. And they're, they're reasoning and you have relationships and it just gets crazy. You have activities that they're a part of. Can we throw out a few teen activities that people are a part of here? Uh, Sports, what do we have? Soccer, track, swimming, other ones, anyone? We got theater and drama. We've got, what are some of the other activities we got here? School, there's a concept, school. Chores, there's an idea. Um, But all of these, you're hearing all these different activities, and we're just talking about the Mahali family right here. I mean, this is just, um, you wonder how they get anything done, you know? And so, but but again, it takes... uh, it's a special season of life. And, and I think about one of the verses here that uh, on the Great Commission, that go and preach the gospel to all creation. But another one is, therefore, go and make disciples. And, and I love, uh, John Meyer has shared this with us before, but the idea of go and make disciples, the, the Greek that's used there can include the idea of as you go, make disciples. And when you look at these different phases of life, pretty much if you're not making disciples as you go, uh, when you're redlining in life like this, you're not making disciples at all. And if you're not getting the gospel as you go, as a part of life, it's, it's not going to happen. And so you've got to be doing it as you go. I just think about how um, even Deuteronomy talks about the great commandment that Jesus quotes. Right smack in the middle of that, He goes on to say, um, These commands I give you are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, you know, uh, watching Netflix. And, and when you walk along the road on the way to something and when you lie down, if you ever get a chance to lie down, and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead and write them on the door frames of your houses. And you know, I just think like if that's not talking about do this as you go, 
you know, that I don't know what is. But we've got to be doing this as we go or you just we're not going to do it. We're not going to be on mission. And somehow we've got to make sure we're bringing the mission right in the center of all that we're doing here. Eventually, you know, the fireworks could be for the next phase here when you, you know, empty nesters is a season of life. You know, where you kick them all out and you got, you know, some would say you actually get a little bandwidth back in your life that was formerly taken up by these, these critters. And then... There's the old thing that's happening. Some of them are flying back home, and it's not such an empty nest anymore. But um, one of the things to think about here, I thought this verse, Galatians 5.13, was um, a good one. Again, when you get to this season of life, in some ways you're back to the same old struggle we've always faced. Am I going to live a me-centered life or another centered, a Christ-centered life? And Ephesians here just talks about, or not Ephesians, Galatians talks about... Um, you, my brothers, you, my dear saints who survived all of this, are called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And people talk about some of the fruitful ministry opportunities you have in this phase of life. And you've got to make the most of it. And there's going to be temptation to just kind of pat yourself on the back for the next however many years there. But um, there's a real chance to use that for building His kingdom. And so, those are some of the, the seasons here to think about. We're going to close with... Um, just want to close with, oh, you know, we got some practicals here. I don't know if we can fly through them super quick. Um, some things we're praying about as a church. We're going to talk, we're going to have more, um, we're going to try to assign different pastors to different seasons of life. People who've been through a season, who've survived, who've maybe even thrived. And we're going to have them help people in that season of life. We're going to have small groups. We're going to get a little more focused on season of life small groups where people are banding together, facing the same issues, the same challenges, the same bandwidth, and they're going to be working together to build His kingdom. And we're going to be trying to make disciples in every season here. Another thing we're going to be needing in all this, so in small groups, we're going to need leaders. People who are leading the way by their example. You know, if, you wanna, if you're a married person and you haven't figured out how to get on a budget or how to love your wife, and you, you need to kind of probably tone down the gospel. What they say, you know, if it's not working at home, don't export it. We've got to make sure things are working before you can export the gospel elsewhere. But we need leaders. We need men and women like you who are, are an example to follow, who are humbly seeking advice for how do we move forward in this season of life. And uh, I want to get you praying about that. Some other practicals here. We're just going to try to maximize outreach opportunities in each season of life. We've got nightlife here. You know, for some of you who aren't able to, to make it to nightlife, you don't have the bandwidth for that, you know, Sunday morning is your fishing pond. And you need to make the most of this fishing pond. God is bringing people who, who he's, he's drawing to Himself. And He wants someone to come alongside them and, and share the good news and share what it's like to be a disciple in this season of life. And we, I encourage you the next couple of weeks here, Palm Sunday and Easter, to, to have your heads up, to be looking around, to go shake a hand, to go smile at someone who might be visiting. We need more, more people doing that. Um, we're doing some other outreach things here. i got a graphic just on some of this. You know, the nightlife uh, opportunity that we have Saturday night, it's kind of it's designed around those people who have bandwidth to hang out all night Saturday night and, and maybe some of the afternoon. And not everybody has that bandwidth. But for those who do, it's a great opportunity to go fishing. And really, we've, as pastors, we've commissioned Greg Miller here. He's, um, as you know, he's on staff with us here. He's, he's a deacon, um, full-time deacon, we call him, kind of doing a lot of pastor and training work. But we've asked Greg to uh, spearhead the nightlife and use some of his hours with the church to help lead the way in that. And, and if you're in that phase of life and you've got breathing room and a heart for it, we welcome you to be a part of that. But if you don't... Oh, there's some nice graphics there. Um, <laughs> my life. Uh, 
I'm working on it. All right. Sunday morning is another. You know, if, if you aren't a part of night life, that's okay too. There's an overlap. Sometimes married life, that's a, a calling for you. Is that night life activity. Sometimes it's not. But uh, if it's not, then Sunday morning is your, your fishing hole here. We need you to, to have your, your heart in the game and your, your head ready and your, your hand open to shake hands here. And so um, those are just some practicals there. I'm going to close with just, uh, let's see here. We'll just leave it right there. Um, we're going to watch a video here. I want to um, just have you watch this video. It relates to this verse here. I'll read this verse. We'll have this video go and then um, we'll pray. But this verse, again, we started early on. It just says Ephesians 5, 16 and 17. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Here, we just talk about making the most of your time. Let's, we have this video and then I'll just wrap up in prayer after that here. So... This is from, you might know it, you might recognize this here. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Men and women, brothers and sisters, I just want to close with that thought. You've been given great opportunities. I don't know what season of life you're in. You've got great opportunities before you. Like, like he said there, this is your time. This is your season. This verse here says, um, Live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. I love that Minnesota accent. Your time. This is your time. But men and women, you, you've been given time. That, the time, that word in Greek, you know, sometimes translate opportunities. It's the word kairos. You have a divinely appointed season before you. You've been given great opportunities and you've got to make the most of your time. 
And let's do that. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we do just... God, we just thank You for giving us time at all, Lord. For bringing us into Your creation, Lord. For giving us a season, an opportunity to choose good in contrast to evil. To choose right when there's wrong going on all around us. To choose Christ-like selfless love when their selfishness is tempting us every day. And Lord, I just ask for Your grace on each one of us. You know the seasons we're in. You know the opportunities, the great opportunities You've given each one of us. And God, we ask You for the grace. We ask You for the wisdom to make the most of the time You've given us, Lord. And God, we just ask that we could be Your disciples in every season of life, that we can reach the world with Jesus Christ. And we need Your help. We cannot do it without You, but we ask You together. We ask You this morning. We call out to You, Lord Jesus. Please help us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning, guys.